Our scripture reading today is 1 Peter 4, 17, and it states that for the time have come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begin with us first, what will it be, what will it be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? May, may be seated. And I want to add my welcome to that you've already heard. We're so glad that you are here with us today. You are certainly a blessing to us, and thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to 70 West. If you have those uh, cards filled out, please pass them to the inside aisle to be picked up at this time. I'm going to reveal something about myself, and it's something that you're not going to be surprised about. I like baseball movies. Uh, Field of Dreams, oh, a classic. Uh, the Natural. Girls, I even like a league of their own, okay? I like baseball movies. And one of those baseball movies is called Eight Men Out. It was a story of what happened in 1919. The Chicago White Sox were playing the Cincinnati Reds in the World Series. The White Sox were heavily favored to win that World Series. And the charge came out that eight members of the White Sox purposely threw the games so that the Cincinnati Reds would win and that gambling crime would reap the monetary benefits. In that charge of eight players... One of the eight was the great shoeless Joe Jackson. He was a mighty baseball player. And he was charged with being one of the eight players that was involved in this gambling fiasco, this scandal. Now, in the movie, you see the movie from the, eye view, the viewpoint of these little boys. These little boys that are... are Baseball fans, they love the game of baseball, and they, and they love their Chicago White Sox. And one little boy in particular, his name was Pee Wee. And Pee Wee's favorite player was Shoeless Joe Jackson. At the very pinnacle of the movie, you see Shoeless Joe Jackson leaving the courthouse. In the movie, he has signed his confession. He has confessed to throwing the World Series. And as he comes out of the courthouse, you see the steps of the courthouse, and all the reporters are, are rushing to him. They all want to ask him questions. They all want a, a quote from Shoeless Joe Jackson. And in that scene, you hear a little tiny voice cry out, Shoeless Joe! And then the reporters kind of step to the side, and there is Pee Wee. And he's looking up to his hero, his baseball hero. And he says that very important line. He says, Say it ain't so, Joe! Say it ain't so! And the tears are coming down his face. And you see the emotions. And, and I have to tell you, Billy, when I saw the movie, 
a little tear came down my cheek. A little lump came up my throat. And I thought, oh, oh, how could this be? How could this be? That is Hollywood movie making at its finest. That is the way you're supposed to make a movie. Trouble is, it's all a myth. It's all a myth. There was no Pee-wee, the little boy Pee-wee. Shoeless Joe Jackson did not try to throw the World Series. In fact, he set a record for batting that stood, a World Series record that stood for almost 50 years. It was all a myth to make a good movie. It was a misconception of what really happened. You know, that's kind of like life. A lot of times we believe a myth. A lot of times we have misconceptions about what is really true and what is really not true. In studying with the seven, and by the way, this is actually the last two lessons in that series, we're going to have a, an addition next Sunday, but this is the last scheduled two lessons in the series. The seven had a lot of misconceptions. They believed a lot of myths about the church. Today, we're going to look at some of those myths. We're going to look at some of those misconceptions that the seven had, okay? Let's look at myth number one. One of the seven, in fact, one of them that, there was two part-time preachers. One of the seven said, well, the Church of Christ, you believe you're the only ones going to heaven. Growing up, I heard this a lot. Billy, you ever heard it? Okay. Today, not as much, but growing up, I heard it a lot. Now, get ready. For some of you, I'm going to su surprise you. You're going to be shocked at what I'm going to say next. Here it is. Having your name on the roll book of a church with the name Church of Christ on the sign out front will not necessarily get you into heaven. I have in my hand something that's supposed to stay in the office. Angela, please forgive me, I took it out of the office. This is the official membership roll of the 70 West Church of Christ. On the day of judgment, God is not going to say, hey, hand me that blue uh, 70 West uh, uh, membership roll book. i got to see if Michael Cox is in that listing. He's not going to do that. Having your name on the roll book will not necessarily get you into heaven. What will get you into heaven? According to the Bible, the only ones admitted to heaven will be those who obey the Lord, and number two, live faithful for Him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. Jesus illustrates the judgment scene. And who are the people admitted into heaven? It's those who had lived faithful service to Him. Faithful service to Him. Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 42. And they, continued, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Who will be going into heaven? The only ones who are obedient to the Lord and live faithful to Him. I was very fortunate to be part of a mission effort in Ukraine. This was just weeks after the fall of the Soviet Union. When we arrived in the Ukraine, we landed in the capital city of Kiev, we discovered a group of people who for years had secretly been meeting in worship. They had been worshiping God. They practiced New Testament baptism. They practiced New Testament worship. They were doing everything according to the New Testament. They had selected a name out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. They called themselves the Church of God out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. They asked us, do we need to change your name? What was our answer? No. Church of God is a scriptural name. Just like Churches of Christ, Romans 16, 16, is a scriptural name. You don't have to change your name. Now, how do I, how do I answer people who say, well, you believe you're the only ones going to heaven? I have put up here my quote. Here's how I answer that question. I believe the only ones going to heaven who have reached the age of accountability will be those who have obeyed the Lord and live faithful. The Bible teaches us how to do that. When could we start a Bible-only study on that subject? Notice the words in red. Those words in red are there on purpose because I'm trying to generate curiosity. I'm trying to get them curious about what I'm talking about. Accountability. Well, what do you mean by accountability? What is accountability? And what does it mean to obey? And how does one live faithful? And Bible only? Hey, count me in. Those words are there on purpose. I believe that statement right there. How about you? But people always say, but how about just plain old good old folks? How about just plain old good people? Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, I would hold him up against anyone that you want to hold up to as being a good person. He still needed to obey. But how about people who have never even heard of Jesus? Turn with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. 
in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God only has one plan. One plan. His plan. But how about people who are baptized but are not taught how to properly worship? How about people who are baptized who drift away? How about my grandmother, my mom, my dad? There's one plan. God's given us one plan. His plan of salvation. Myth and misconception number two. Churches of Christ are a cult. One of the seven, he said, well... I heard you guys are just a cult. Are you a cult? Well, I think we've got to first define what that word means. What does it mean to be a cult? Well, let's look at the modern definition. Cults are usually defined in four ways. Number one, it's a group whose teaching deviates in major ways from central Christian doctrine. Hey, we believe in doctrine. We believe in Christian doctrine. We believe in keeping God's word. So that doesn't qualify us as a cult. Well, cults believe that God has revealed something special to only them. No. God's word is for anyone who will read the Bible. For everybody. Number three. Cults have sources of authority other than the Bible. That's not us. We believe in the Bible only. Number four, cults have central human leaders who they view as having a unique access to God. Once again, that's not us. We are not a cult. In fact, I am not aware of any noted Bible scholar who views the Church of Christ as a cult. Because we're not. We're just following God's Word. Myth and misconception number three. Churches of Christ teach that a person is saved by works. The work that they pointed out from the seven was baptism. In fact, this one has generated a separate study with just one of the seven. We're going to talk more about that next week, Lord willing. So let's look at this. Do we teach that people are saved by works? No, we do not. We believe the Bible, and the Bible doesn't teach that. Salvation is a free gift, Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death. We deserve death for our sins. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. Salvation is not a result of what? It's not a result of works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is what? It's the gift of God. We don't deserve it. God gives it. We are indebted to God's gift. Not of works, verse 9, lest anyone should boast. Hey, 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 look at all the good things I've done, God. You deserve, I deserve heaven. 
I have merited heaven. That's not the case. It's not based on merit. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now we do good works. Why? To make God look good. We don't do good works to merit heaven. We don't do good works to get our foot in the door at heaven. We do good works to make God look good. To convince others, to persuade others to come and obey our Lord. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has given us opportunities to serve. You know, God, God could have done this differently. If God had wanted to, God could say, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Once a year, in a loud voice from the skies, everybody on earth will hear my voice. Once a year from the skies, I will tell them what to do. God could have done that. He could have. He's God. But God did not decide to do it that way. God decided to trust you and me with sharing His good story, His gospel, the good news with people that we love. And through our lives, we can then influence them to consider their need to obey Him. You see... We believe that we are justified by our faith. Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. It's faith. It's obedient faith. We're going to talk more about that next week. It's faith that causes us to want to obey God. You know, my, my doctor, he can prescribe a, maybe a medication that he thinks would help me. And I can go to the pharmacy and I can get that prescription filled. And I can take that bottle back home and I can set it on the, on the medicine countertop. And I can look at it. And I can look at it. And I can look at it. But until I put my faith in my doctor's knowledge and put, I put my faith in what that pill could do for me, I'm not going to take it. Faith, obedient faith, causes us to do what God wants us to do. It causes us to want to be obedient to His Word. It causes us to follow Him. Salvation is a free gift. We don't deserve it. But it must be accepted on God's terms. God's terms. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Speaking of God, who desires all, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's God's desire that we all be saved. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He wants us all to come to the knowledge of the truth. God is not sitting in heaven saying, I wonder how I could trip him up. I wonder how I could trip Michael up and cause him to miss heaven. What kind of temptation can I put in his way? That's not God. God wants us all to what? 
come to know Him. He's a loving God. 2 Peter chapter 3, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God did not take any pleasure in destroying mankind in the flood and only saving eight out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were alive at that moment. God doesn't want us to perish like those people perish. He wants us to be saved. He wants to have us in heaven with Him. So what are God's terms? We've talked about this many, many times. It's to believe in His Son, to repent of the past, to confess Jesus, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, and to live faithful to Him. And I'll give you your crown of life. Revelation 2, verse 10. Now, when we obey God's gospel commands, it's not a work of merit, but it's an act of faith. If you truly believe, you will obey. If I truly believe that medication will help me, I will take that medication. You see, we're not saved by works. We're saved by God's grace through our obedience to His Word. We'll have a whole lot more to say about that, Lord willing, next Sunday as we look at baptism very closely. Now, when you respond in obedience, you're not trying to work your way to heaven. You're simply obeying in love to God's commands. What did Jesus say? John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my, what? My commandments. You will do what I have ordered you to do. You know, a commandment is an order. And, and the Lord has ordered us to do certain things. By the way, go back to that slide we had, what does God expect? Each of those steps from believing through baptism was words of Jesus himself. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. That's you and me. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The Lord, the Lord expects us to obey. You know, God could have made it complicated if he had wanted to. He could have made it very complicated, but he did not make it complicated. He made it easy to believe, to repent, to confess, to be baptized. Now, when Peter responded to the crowd's questions, their question was, what do we do? He told them to repent and to be baptized. He was not telling them what to do to earn salvation. He was telling them what to do to receive salvation. God is the one who does the work. God is the one who forgives our sins. 
We are just the recipients of God's grace and God's love. But my seven said, but isn't baptism a human work? Well, this is a, an ad for next Sunday. Come back next Sunday and we'll see. But let me tell you right now, baptism is not a human work. Who does the work in baptism? It's God. God is the one who forgives. God is the one that washes away our sins. God is the one that is working. We are just receiving. Now, tonight, come back for part two. We got many more myths and misconceptions that the seven has had about the church, about the Lord's church. So come back tonight. Meanwhile, do we have anyone here this morning who has not obeyed our Lord? Once again, these verses are all words of Jesus himself. To believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. As a Christian, sometimes we do not live the way we should. Sometimes we're not a reflection of Jesus. Sometimes people can't see Jesus living in us. If so, we need to ask for forgiveness. And God will forgive. 1 John 1, 9, the church stands ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. Clayton has a song designed to encourage you to make a decision. Will you please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement?